Hallelujah. How are we? Are we fine? All right. So we've been considering bearing fruit. Um, some of you made it a point not to be present Thursday and Friday. Um, I know some of you feel you have a good reason for not coming. But those of us who found good reason to be here, I believe we're blessed, isn't it? Yeah. And I pray that um, those of us who didn't come, we would not be like that. That the Lord will open your eyes to see how important what he has to offer you is. So that you will apply yourself. Some of us believe that when it comes to spiritual things, it should drop in our laps. Anything that you think must drop in your laps without you, you do not feel convinced to take steps which normally will involve sacrifice. Uh, anything that you do not feel the urge to do that, it means you do not recognize how important it is. Hallelujah. And the thing about importance is that you cannot be talked into how important a thing, a thing is without you having to deal with what is wrong with you. That makes you not think that something is important. You see, to, to the desire for good things is the work of God in us. The desire for righteousness it is God that puts it into us. It is God that stirs in us the need to become what it is that he wants us to become. That is what God does in us. And God does not pick and choose. He does that in every heart. Because no man can do that for himself. No man can put the desire for righteousness, the desire for what is good in his own heart for him to begin the pursuit of such righteousness or of such goodness. No man can put that in his own heart. It is not possible. Some of you realize that you must have desire for something, but you find that the desire is not there, isn't it? You must have the desire for something good. You must even have the desire for prayer, but you find that the desire is not there. And when you find that the desire is not there, you feel like you are stuck because you, there's really... You, you can't put that desire in your heart. It is God that does it. It is God that puts it in our heart. And if God is in charge of something, then you must know for sure that God is efficient in it. So God, if we are in charge of something, the efficiency drops massively. But if God is in charge of something, the efficiency is 100%. Hallelujah. So if you find that there is no desire in your heart for righteousness, for something that you know you should have desire for, um, the reason is not that God has kept from your heart his work to bring you to the place of desire, but rather something that is with you, which is your present desire, is preventing you from becoming aware of the desire that God has put in your heart. So it is not that God is not working into you the desire for righteousness, 
It is rather because the desire for other things uh, is choking what God is trying to stir within you. It is stifling the desire for righteousness that God is trying to put within your heart. So then, the way to come to the place of desire for what is good so that you put in the effort to pursue it, the way to come there is to address the things that are with you that are stifling that desire. So for instance, maybe you don't have the desire to be in church beyond Sunday. You, you have to really wonder why. Because there are many things that are being supplied in those days during special programs that you are missing. So if you are not interested, then you are not interested in what is being given. Why would you want to miss something like that? Hallelujah. Why would you want to miss something like that? It's not that you don't have money to buy it because it's not for sale. So why would you want to miss something as important as that? It is because there is something with you that prevents you from seeing genuinely how crucial these things are for your life. There's something with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those that cannot see the, 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 how crucial spirituality is are carnal, and they are in carnal affections. And because of that, they are unable to come to themselves. So even when God is working in you to come to yourself, as such feelings arise in you, before you really take hold of those feelings to act on them, the other desires that stifle what God is trying to do rise up. And you are given a reason why you should not pursue what God is trying to lead you to pursue. So that's how we come. So if you find that you must have desire for something, you must have a strong desire for something, and that, that desire is not there. You know it's good, but you don't desire for it. It means that there is something that you need to change from. You need to get rid of a certain desire that is directly stifling the desire for that good thing that God is putting in your heart. So what you may want to ask yourself is, why would I want to miss church? What, 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 what makes me not want to be in church? You, you should start from there. And then what makes me uninterested? Some of you also sit in church. You are uninterested in what is being shared. Some of you, you may find that there is an arrogance about you. You are the Lord of your own life. And you are convinced that you are a better master of your life than God. There's this arrogance uh, with the one that lives for himself or herself alone. And for some of us, that is the arrogance that is reigning. And this is the arrogance that we must fight. Because this arrogance, remember, that arrogance of heart is not something that you can touch directly. You fight it in the mind and in the actions. So the arrogance, please are you here? The arrogance of heart, it speaks, it talks, it tries to convince, it projects its own wisdom. And you must fight that wisdom in your mind. It instructs you as to how you should live your life. And you must fight that instruction and prevent yourself from subjecting yourself to its instructions. 
So you will not obey it in life. You will not obey it in thought. That is how you fight that arrogance. Because if that arrogance is not fought, you will not come to the realization of your need for God. There are many people that are not spiritually awake. So they sit in the presence of the word of God and they don't really know what to do with it. Because they are not awake. They are asleep spiritually. They are not awake. Hallelujah. They are not awake. And to be awake is not that you have arrived. It is the beginning of your journey. You must awake, then you can put on strength. You can put on your garment. The beginning of your journey is you being awake. And that state of wakefulness has to do with your, the recognition of your need for spirituality, your need for God, the need to walk on that journey. And it is not a need that you've been told that is necessary, but you recognize it yourself. See, there is a day that you wake up to this realization that you are nothing without God and that you need God. There's a day that you wake up to the misery of the life that you've been in and the foolishness of the wisdom that you have been operating in. And when you wake up to that, your spiritual journey begins. And you find that you'll be filled with strong desire to search for God in a way that you didn't have before. And it is not because it was not there. It is because now you have dealt with the arrogance. The arrogance that makes you feel that you can do without the Lord. And men, as men, we, we have that problem. We easily feel that we can do without the Lord, except when a serious catastrophic event happens to us. That one, it goes beyond what we are capable of. And because of that, we easily realize our helplessness. But generally in life, this arrogance is there. And so how, like the psalmist said, as the deer pants after the water brooks, so my soul pants after you. That soul panting after God is not there. It's a lackadaisical attitude towards God. We've, we are walking towards God. It's like, it's like how if you stand there and watch how some people walk to church, you realize that there's a problem, you see. It's, it's like that our walk towards God is like the kind of walk that you are coming, but if you don't end up arriving, you are okay with it. You've just heard that um, you should come. Which places do we go like that? You're, like, you're going, but you're, you're, you have taken all the time that you can. Hallelujah. Is that where? Huh? I can hear words. Lectures. No, lectures, you're afraid of the lecture. So you will not do that. Especially lecture that will take uh, attendance. You are in a hurry. Because if you don't get there on time, and he enters before you, the door, the heavy gate will be shut. And you'll be behind gnashing your teeth. You see, so, um, lecture, no. Lectures, no. What? Errands. When they send you on an errand. Wow. Is there? Wedding reception or weddings. Weddings in particular. People attend weddings like they don't want to go. <laughs> the, any place that they meet in the wedding, they are okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. So, um, that's how at times we, 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 we walk towards God. We, we have not recognized that we need God. If we've recognized it, 
our motion towards God will be more aggressive. And for some of us, that's what you should pray for, to be spiritually awake. We are not spiritually, if you are spiritually awake, I mean, if you were not spiritually awake and you, be, you feel like you have become awake, put up your hand, let me see you. You were not before, but you feel like you have become, because I want, I want those that recognize it. Do you recognize the difference between, and you were in church even when you are not awake, isn't it? Yeah, and preaching was done towards you, isn't it? But you realize that, no, the way you, it's not like you even fought the message. You just, it just came and hit you and then that was it. The other side. But when you become awake, you open your eyes more. Hallelujah. You open your mouth wide so that the Lord will feel it. You are, you are, you fear, you see, when you become awake, you fear being without the Lord because you begin to understand how that the Lord is all your life. He's your very life. You fear. You, because you, you see clearly the foolishness in your wisdom. And you fear that if you don't gather more wisdom and you act according to your own wisdom, you, you destroy things further. Because you see how many things you have already destroyed with your own wisdom. You feel, so that, that kind of appreciation of things makes you want to run after God. If you can't run after God, you have a problem. And that's what I'm trying to point out to you. If you are not running after God, if you are just, if you meet God, fine. If you don't meet God, fine. If you are impacted by God, if you are not impacted by God, fine. If God teaches you something, if he doesn't teach you something, fine. If you are, you, are, you are okay with it because it's not like you are saying you don't want God to teach you anything. But if he doesn't also teach you anything, if you don't meet him, if nothing happens, you are okay. It means that you are not awake. You are asleep. Spiritually, you are asleep. And that's what you need to consider. And what causes your, your sleep, spiritual sleep, what, what makes you sleep is a certain kind of desire that is stifling what will make you awake. Hallelujah. I've spoken to you about that arrogance. Some of us may be in a certain kind of life that we love so much. And some of it may not even be direct evil. Sometimes you can be in a certain kind of life that is not direct. Some of you are bent on succeeding in this life. You are bent on succeeding in this life. And that's what makes you spiritually asleep. You can't be in this life and you are bent on succeeding in this life. It's actually very foolish because the next question will be when you finish succeeding, then what? Hallelujah. Yeah, you can't be in this life and you are all like what is driving you through this life is to make money. So like you want to you want, you want to be rich. That's what is driving you. Some of you are looking for status, a certain level of status. There was a lady that passed through here, and clearly she was not going to remain here. Her desire in life was to be a celebrity. Hallelujah. What will you do with the word of God if this is your drive? You can sit here for years. If this is what is driving you through life, the word, all the messages of the scriptures can be preached to you. Nothing will happen. Did you used to hear messages and nothing happened before? If you've been here for a long time and you, you were hearing messages, but nothing was happening. I'm not saying it's the same now, but 
like it used to be like that. Please, it used to be like that. Please put up your let me see. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, these are real things. I'm not telling you lies. These are real things. So messages upon messages. How was it? Like your message, I come and stand here and then I preach. And I'm like, I'm so excited about what I'm saying. But see, you can't match the excitement. You get it. It's like, it's almost, at times you maybe wonder, like, what is wrong with the one preaching? Like different, different things. Please put up your hand if, if you felt like that before. You were here like that for a while. And then, yeah. You see, but when you become awake, hmm, let me tell you, the things that I share with you are the things that are important to me. There is, you will know this because of the way I share them with you. You see, it's not if my aim is just to preach to you, there's a way to preach to you that you'll be so impressed. But that's not the point. These are things that I don't know what a person would do if they didn't know. Anything I get to find out from the Lord, I'm surprised. Hey, if you don't know this, what will you do? How will you survive? How will you approach? That's what come at times. I explain and explain and explain and explain because you must get it. You understand that? Because if you don't understand it, but some of you get offended by the many explanations. That's a sign that you have a problem. Hallelujah. Some of you even think, ah, it's enough, we get it. Don't add more. What's the meaning of that? It's a sign that you are not spiritually awake because if you are spiritually awake, you will understand that you need as much as you can get. Because what some of you want summaries. Summarize it into the question. When you have met opposition to the spiritual life before, when you have met opposition to the spiritual life before, you know that demonic, the devil, see, uh, two days ago I was sharing with you about how powerful angels are. But you have to also understand how powerful devils are in relation to you, not in relation to angels. The, the wisdom that these, I, I think I mentioned it during the uh, uh, oppression, right? oppression message. Yeah. The wisdom that, <laughs> let me tell you, in spiritual warfare, you can't hide your mind. Your true mind cannot be hidden. Spiritual warfare, you see how when you go for war, what you, the one that you go for, that you are the one standing there. Do you understand? Your, you and your armor and all, all that. If there's a problem with your armor and they cut you there, you die. Do you understand? So it's you. You can't hide your weaknesses if you are not wearing um, a helmet or whatever. You can't hide. That's how it is with spiritual warfare. If there is a place in your mind that is dark, concerning what it is that you are fighting the devils on, you are in trouble. If there are uncertainties in your mind concerning what it is that you know, you are in trouble. You are in trouble. Because you think that you'll be confronted on what you know. With what you genuinely know, the fight will not be there. It's what can confuse you. What would make you doubt what you think you genuinely knew? These are the things that the devils bring up. And they don't bring it up like, ah, you don't know this, you don't know this. No. It's worked into the fact that you may not even know that it is your lack of understanding that is being used against you in the battle. And all that you are asked to fight is that you, you can't hide your mind. In the spirit world, a person's mind is not hidden. Hallelujah. A person's mind is not If I met you 
what you are within is what I know. You can't hide. In this world, we can hide. But in the soul, if I'm coming, you can make yourself like you are bold. Then I won't fight with you. Like when we were young girls, I'm that sad they were not strong. I remember when I was in JHS one, one of my few fights, I think I fought like twice or something. <laughs> this JHS one fight was the last fight I ever fought. And there was this strong guy in our school that like everybody was afraid. Like you see how the guy is strong. Then one day, something after that made me realize that no, this, the guy is not strong. You see, at times people can have an image of strength. We are mebo, we are mebo. At that, you want to fight back, you know, the person. Some people, like when they are fighting, they like the fact that they are being restrained, you see. They like the fact that they are being restrained. So, they pick something, then they, they are, as they are picking the thing, they know that somebody is coming to hold their hands and all that. You see, so at times, um, some of us in the flesh, we can behave like we are strong. We can behave like we are, um, we, we are fearless. Do you get me? Well, we are all afraid and weak and all that. But in the spirit, you can behave like you are strong when you are not strong. If it is fear, let me tell you, if it is fear that is ruling your heart, in the spiritual attack, the demons will, will feed on the fear, highlight it, you'll be paralyzed. So how would they know that I'm afraid? Oh, it's in the spirit. In the spirit, everything is known. With you, what is within you is what shows. Hallelujah. This I hear. Yeah. So if you understood how these things work, you realize that then you need a lot of understanding. But if you are not awake, it's difficult for you. See, for example, some of us, we share things with people. Maybe some of you are sitting here, somebody shared something with you, and you have come to sit here. But if you are not awake, I don't expect that you'll be back. Because what we have to share here, it has no meaning to you if you are not spiritually awake. Even me, myself, I'm not impressive. One day, the Lord told me that the people that you preach to, they will find you impressive, useful to the extent that they themselves are spiritual. Because if you are not a spiritual person, what do I have? What you look at that will make you respect me? What do I have? Hallelujah. I'm not even dressed in a very impressive way, which I like. Hallelujah. Yeah, today I was going to wear something. I, I said, no, let me just wear my shirt and come like that. Like, I like this. Okay, maybe you wonder why I dress like this. We started from somewhere, uh, dress down, dress, and then we are here. And we like it, and uh, yeah, we like the way we dress. So from time to time, we'll dress special, and then we'll stop there. We are in the system. Amen. So maybe, you know, if you are not spiritual, what, 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 how, me, what will you find? Because, number one, I don't intentionally speak impressive English, so that if you are impressed with uh, Brofu, uh, you would feel like, wow, this guy is intelligent. No. So, I don't know what will make you return if maybe you are coming here fresh and you are not spiritually awake. You won't come back. And I'm actually sad for you, but I'm also okay with it. Sometimes people step here, they are not impressed with us. And some of you are, are sad that they were not impressed with us. Why? You, it's, it's a sign that you yourself have a problem. Because the way I'm proud of 
what we do and what we know and how we understand the things we understand. Hey, hallelujah. Yeah. Like I listen to people and the foolishness of their thinking, I tell you, and the lostness of their mind. Like you, you be shocked. People preaching. <laughs> went for a funeral yesterday. My was telling me how was it two days ago. She was just sad because we went for a funeral uh, in Kolongo last week Saturday, and the person was preaching about how that those there is hope for those who are in Christ. You will weep, not like you see some things. It can become funny, especially if you are not thinking about it spiritually. Like if you think about it spiritually, you become very sad. I was sitting there, and I thought I was the only one. Then my dear, just a few, a few days ago, saying that she was, and at the point she was angry, and she was sad, and I told her this: this is where the persons come from. This is what they believe, and this is a big a church that. If I tell some of you are proud of, you understand. But I said, this is what they believe. If you don't hear them saying it, like in a collective way, like you may not know, maybe they'll say, oh, there is hope for those who are in Christ. And you also say, there is hope for those who are in Christ. But if they let, if they explain to you what they mean by the hope that is in Christ, say that the person's body that we are going to bury, there's coming a time that the Lord will bring out that body from the ground. You know what it's called? It's called madness. It's not madness like in this world, madness that is an insult. This spiritual madness. And some of you quietly believe it. That that is the resurrection. The, the grave will open like and then those that were buried will rise from that. And he talks about and a lot of like when you are doing a bear ten contradictions, or can we? No, giant can we? If you want to keep both in your mind, it will not work. But the, the, the reason why do you know why they get away with it? They are preaching to many people. They themselves are not awake, and those listening are not awake. Because if you were awake, that's it. Be cassette. Now, why you ready? Say what the coyote, what the coyote. But say it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, preach it. No. Why you read yourself? I don't know what they call you. I mean, now, one more woman said, No, you need me, you need me. And you are really looking for God. That's it. When you catch it on a woman, so they say, Because you don't see contradictions when what you know is not applied to life. But when it is applied to life, you, your mind is made such that it cannot, in terms of life, not in terms of storage, you can store things and they are self contradictory. No, I'm talking about in terms of life. Your mind is said that it cannot tolerate contradictions. That's how your mind is. It cannot tolerate contradictions. So if you were awake, you will see that this is not, this doesn't work. So those sitting there are not awake, and the one preaching is not awake. So nobody can question anything. So everybody is there. Hallelujah. Yeah, everybody is there. And I look at this and I'm, I'm thankful to God that we can understand these things. We can see these things. We can correct these things. We can organize these things in a more um, coherent way. You see. 
So maybe you bring somebody and the person is not impressed with us. It's okay. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's okay. You see how the guy had his beloved and brought him to the room. And when the lady left, so that you are in the room with your friends, then you bring your, the person you have gone to grab to the room. And the person said, she fine or she no fine. So that I've gone to grab, then my roommates are there. And I've brought the lady. When the lady left, I'm asking my roommate whether the roommate fine or she no fine. So the question is, if your roommate says she no fine, what will you do? Like he says, what do men say that I am? Then he said, what do you say that? So you, he fine or he no fine? Hallelujah. Yeah, he fine or he no fine? You, what will make the person fine? Some of you have fine woman, fine gentleman to you, but you can't accept the fine woman or the fine gentleman because your friends say he no fine. You are, you are not going to form a, a community in the marriage with your friends. Hallelujah. Yeah. You fine or you know fine. Some people are not impressed with us. Maybe I even bring in somebody to church. You hope that today I'll be impressive. You see, those are the times that I'm as my, uh, I'm my usual uh, nothing, nothing, Charlie. Didn't get anything. When people are not awake, Thing because you see, if you like a lady, you have, you have woken up to the lady's fineness. You understand? When I say fineness, I don't just mean the outward fineness. All that is uh, uh, the lady is made of. You have become alive. So if you can work with a certain lady, like you are just like friends, 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 then one day your eye opens and you realize that you like her. You understand? Yeah. But before you are just moving up and down. Then you, you even go and follow people that are not correct, and the lady will know. Hallelujah. Yeah. Is there someone here like that? You, there's somebody here like that. You many. many. Some of you ladies too do it. But then one day, one day, you become awake. Then you see a heart. You see, so being awake is a powerful thing. Well, you become awake before because of this thing that I'm talking about. This beloved thing. Like you became awake, say, wow. Headmaster, <laughs> you're awake. Eh? When Headmaster became awake, I was like, hi. I don't believe you. He said, oh, Pastor. I said, I don't believe. He said, oh, Pastor. I said, write a letter. The letter is there. Wrote a letter, a long Four scalp seat, back front, back front. Like, you see, it's two. Like this. It got to the behind, everything, full. Recently, I discovered the, this thing, the letter. So it's there. Many years after. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's what it means to be awake. You're moving about and coming to tell stories of others. You understand? But, so, but you, see, you see how the thing, if you are not awake, you'll be sitting there. Do you see? And the word of God will be passing. The word of God will be passing. Then the, the funny thing is that you will not just quietly be asleep. Out of your sleep, which involves arrogance, you even be questioning those that are trying to take the word of God personal. 
Those that are trying to take spirituality personal, you, you, out of that arrogance, you start fighting back. Meanwhile, you are the one that is asleep. Amen. Don't allow yourself, if, you, if there is this lack of strong desire in your heart to go after God, it's a problem. Don't leave it. It's a problem. If there's no strong desire, and if you find that the desire is reducing, have you been there and the desire is reducing before? If you, if you have seen that, put up your let me see. Yeah, don't become alarmed. Become alarmed. And you know, some of you, when the desire is reducing, as part of the fact that it is reducing, you, you feel like you know how to make it increase. Have you tried it before? And you realize that it doesn't work. Yeah, some of you can be locked. And then I look at you, uh, I know you are locked. You are locked. And you see, such lock, being locked, it's not again, it's not the multitude of messages that will make you come out of the lockness. <laughs> it's not. It's not. God must deliver you from what is keeping you locked. And that's why I tell, I tell you that go to God honestly and go and complain. Honestly, go and complain that, like, God, I'm not feeling you. I'm not. Do all those things because. That's a way of you humbling yourself. And God will open your eyes. You'll find that actually that is your problem. You have become proud. Hallelujah. Yeah. And pride can put you to sleep spiritually. Pride can put you to sleep. And normally that's what happens to some of us. We are awake and then we contact something from God and we become proud. And you know a sign that you are proud is enough. It's enough. What you have Taking is enough. Hallelujah. How many of you have felt that before? It's like, you've prayed that. So when we say, let's pray, you feel like, ah, you've prayed that. You have enough prayers these past uh, few months. You've been praying hard. So when they say pray now, you don't pray hard anymore. Hallelujah. You see, but when you are desperate, nobody tells you pray hard. You get it. <laughs> So when you feel like it's enough for you to not pray hard and to not push and try to touch God in prayer, when you find that it's okay that you just whisper, it's a sign that you are sleeping. Hallelujah. Yeah, but the truth is that we all go through that cycle. When you become aware of it, then you must correct it because it's dangerous. Because normally we are attacked during the time that we are asleep. Because there is difficult for you to be spiritually alert to fight what it is that is coming your way. So then you have to be serious. Hallelujah. So become awake. Find, see that it's a, it's a serious problem when the word of God does not mean much to you. When spirituality does not mean much to you. See that it's a, a problem. Because no matter where you are, no matter where you plant yourself, even if you go and plant yourself in heaven, you will not be held. You will not be held. Amen. So this message is dedicated to those who think it is just Sunday that you must come to church. You are not awake spiritually. If you want to, if you want to disagree and contend with this, my point that you are not awake. Eh? You can put up your hand and then you do it right now. I'm serious. Maybe you feel like you're awake, Pastor. You don't know what I'm going through. I'm not people. 
you are not, this is not the first, this is not my first year in pastoring. <laughs> Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Pastor, you don't know. I thought I'll be talking to the person who's looking at me like I don't know what I'm, I'm what, what they are going through and I don't know what they've been through. You see, that's one thing that when your eyes open to see cheated, I mean, I don't care. If even if you fear that when you're telling somebody something, you feel a person think that you don't understand them. Either. Me, if you think that I don't mind. You know, I don't mind. And I don't mind because what I'm telling you is the truth. You are not the decider. You, the one I'm telling you, don't decide whether what I'm telling you is true. It is true already. Winifred, it's true already. What I'm, it's true. Whether you don't qualify the truth, you don't enhance it, neither do I. It is our work to find it. When we find it, then we benefit from it. So if you don't think it is so, and, and you see, you know, what makes these things true no matter what is because I don't look at your face to say it. I speak to you, see, I keep telling you, you must think from principles. You understand? So you say, oh, pastor, it's not true. Some of you want to argue that your case is a different kind of case. But they are, the same principles apply to all men. You are not a special species. You are a man just like all of us. Hallelujah. Oh, you are not a man. You, you are what? You are a man like all of us. So the things that will, will slay you are the things that slay men. That, that, that's the reason Jesus came as a man. And what he overcame, he overcame so that he could help all of us. I don't know what will he say. There are different types of men. No. So that when you speak from principle, some of you say, ah, why didn't you do this? They say, I don't know why. It's like, <laughs> and when somebody tells you, you agree that, oh, maybe they really didn't know why. It's not true. So pastor, it's true. It's not true. Maybe you have not thought of why you did it. But it is not possible that there is an action in this world, except it's an involuntary action. So let's discuss if yours is an involuntary action. Even an involuntary action, there is a why. Yes, that you have not found out. There's a pre-programmed why. That pre-programmed why is what is in animals, dogs, preservation, survival. Uh, it's pre-programmed. See? So there's a why. You are saying, oh, there's no why. Why didn't you come to church? Oh, no reason. <laughs> Leaders and pastors, you meet such things. No reason. No, no reason. Say, there's a reason. Say you wouldn't tell me. Or it's so foolish that you yourself, you are ashamed of it. Hallelujah. Yeah. So you don't understand. No problem. But principles are principles. And principles are always true, no matter what. Hallelujah. So like what I'm telling you, if you are not if responsive to the word of God, you are not spiritually awake. You may argue, but it doesn't change anything. You are still not awake. You may think you are awake, but you are not. Because to be awake, you must respond to the word of God. It's not like a, 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 a no, there must be an aggression. Jesus spoke about it. Since the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence. The violent take it by force. There is a certain activity from your side that is required if you are awake. Without it, you are not awake. So, but but I come on Sundays, yes. The reason why you come on Sundays and you don't come on the other special program days 
is because you are not awake. Hmm. Yay, I'm awake, I'm awake. You are not. Because if you were awake, you would be something. It's like the, the uh, Pharisees when they came to Jesus. Said, Abraham is our father. Said, Abraham is not your father. Abraham is our father. God is our father. God is not your father. God is our father. God is not your father. Because if God is your father, there is something that must uh, be taking place. It's not taking place. Said, if you Abraham, so you do the works of Abraham. Where are the works of Abraham now? Where are the works of Abraham now? Say, they say, you're of your father, the devil. I'm telling you, they didn't really feel like they were cooperating with hell. That, like many people who cooperate with hell, they don't feel like, ah, hell is saying, I like hell. and I'm, I, They still somehow feel like they like God. But it doesn't change the fact that it is hell that you like. Hallelujah. That's, that's how some of you don't understand how to overcome evil. Some of you even feel okay because you can feel like you have this general love for God. But that love is not love for God, though. It's not love for God. That's, maybe you think that that is love for God. That's why, like some of the uh, people who are doing bad things, so say, I know that eventually I'll be a preacher. Yeah, rapper now, doing things. You know that. Do you know how you become a preacher? Eventually, do you know that every day that you spend your life in that direction, you, it becomes more and more difficult to return to God first before you can even become a preacher? You know that one day. This are times you feel like, ah, I love God, I love God. But if you love God, there is something that must change. Huh? Do you know what Jesus said? He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. So you hate God's commandments. I don't hate it. Oh, I love it. But just I don't obey it. <laughs> no, if you don't obey it, it means you hate it. See, I'm speaking to you from principle. That's why I'm sure. Because say some of you may feel like ah, but I because of you, your hate, the kind of hate that you know is a carnal type of hate where you hate a person. But you, in fact, you don't feel like that towards the word of God. But the, your hatred for the word of God is not present with you when you hear it normally. It is present with you when it is trying to stop you from doing what you want. So you are set on a certain evil path, and then the word of God is coming to mind. That's when you do everything possible to extinguish it. At times, you even uh, try to uh, eliminate the one that is a bearer of the word. Hallelujah. Try to run away from the person. I love God. Lord, I want to see your face. But the one that will bring you the word of God to preach to you, all that they are coming to do is to preach to you the word of God. When they are coming, you run away. You are hiding. Your shepherd is coming to look for you. You are hiding, finding ways of hiding. But you say, Lord, I need you. I want more your feet. So he said, you don't want God. I said, no, I want God. You don't want God. But there's something that you do when you want God. And you're not doing it. So you don't want God. And that's the point that I'm making. If you come to church on Sundays and during special programs, you don't come. That's your life. You don't come for special programs. You are not awake. And most likely, Sunday services are not benefiting you. Because if you were awake, you would not just come for Sunday services. That's my point. If you are awake. Because those that are awake are looking for God. And they like to take 
the opportunity. If you are sick, fine. That's different. Those that are weak are looking for opportunity to discover more of God. If you ask me, what do I spend most of my life doing beside my dogs and things? It's, it's actually a simple answer. It's to learn and to pray. That's all. And a lot of the times, it is not to teach you. Because if it is what to teach you, I have enough to teach you for many years. Like, I mean, many people are preaching for years and they are not really saying anything. So if it's just to preach to you, it's enough. But there are too many things I don't understand. And I feel like it is crucial to a certain kind of result that I want. And like, for instance, some of us, if something doesn't work, we leave it and move on. <laughs> no, me, I stick with it. Because then it has the opportunity, the possibility of repeating itself. Because if there's a doorway by which something evil happens, and you don't find a way to shut it, then it's just a matter of time. That evil will return, and most of the time, in a bigger way than before. So why didn't this thing work? That becomes one line of thought. And when you are there as a human being and you are really looking for God, there should be lines of thoughts. Uncompleted is like, like somebody that is building many structures. You have like 30 plots, all of them, you are building on it at the same time. So uncompleted structures. If you are looking, that's how you should be in your life. So you are anytime, at any point in time, you are trying to push, you are trying to understand one of them, then you switch to understand one of them, then you switch to understand one of them. You switch, some of us don't even have one. That gives us sleepless nights. Not that you, if something bad has happened to you, so you are having sleepless nights. No. You are trying to understand something, so you are, you are having sleepless nights. Not that it's an exam, so an exam is coming. No. You are trying to understand something. Hallelujah. We need to be awake. I believe that without that, we can share. I can't. We can share everything, and it will still not help you. And I've shown you how to be awake. It is God that makes a man awake. If you have not found this work that God does in you, it does not mean that God is not doing it. You are something within you is preventing God. And normally, it is something that relates to how we are set in our ways. So you are set in your ways concerning something that is against God and therefore stifles this desire for the spiritual work that God is trying to do in the life of every man. Even the most wicked of men, when he is there, from time to time, he hears God. He has God drawing like Charlie. What did they do? What did they do? But Charlie, he set in his ways. He set in even the most wicked man. This is a principle. So he said, "Oh, some people they got no, 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 no." Please, it's like that. So you don't know some people. I don't need to know everybody. It's a principle. It is God that is doing this thing. And God is 100% efficient 
There is no man that God has left. Even those in hell, God has not completely left them. Because that they have left God. But God has not left. If God could leave a man, our idea of God will become problematic. Or that maybe you don't realize it. It means that you have not been awake as we have been talking about God. But if you have been awake, then for God to leave a man, if they say God has left him, he shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't be able to assimilate this information. Because there are many pillars in your mind now that should question the possibility of God leaving a man. God has left him. God, no. God hasn't left anyone. Some of you can sin and you think that now that you've gone too far. You can't return to God. It's not true. It's not true. Hallelujah. It's not true. So we need to be awake. We need to be awake. And that's how we do it. Don't be set in your ways when it comes to things that stifle the workings of God in you. Don't be set in your ways, the ways, the ways that contradict God. If you can give up on the, your ways that you are set in now, today, if you can give up on that today, you will run hard after God and you'll be shocked. So if you say, I can't read my Bible, that, we don't start reading the Bible from, I must read my Bible. Like, no, read your Bible. So if you say, I, I tell, they tell you, listen to the messages, and I'm doing, sitting there standing there. Okay, they must tell you, so they have to tell you. You understand? But they telling you will never be enough for you to listen to the messages. Has it been enough before? Hmm. It will never, just that they have to, they have to, because when God is tearing you up, you need information. You understand? So what they tell you about listening to your messages will help you the day that you become awake. You need to hold on to some truth. So all the truth you've heard before, the ones that at least you remember, when you start becoming awake, those are the ones that you hold on to first. So that's why they tell you. Rather than that, you can never be moved. Like I said, I can't move you even by my words as I stand here to preach to you. God himself can't move you. How much more me? No, I can't move you. I can't move you. It's true. I can't move you. But when you become awake, you become a devourer of information. Become a devourer of information. A devourer. Like, we divide. <laughs> there is no time for it. You are asleep. If you were awake, there will be time for it. We apportion our time based on what is important to us. So it's not true. It is. Ah, you see? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, that's how we apportion our time. Based on what is important. When you become awake, your spirituality will become important. You will have time. You will have time. And you will not just read it like, ah, I've done my quiet time. No. No. It will be something that you do intensely. Do intensely. Hallelujah. There's something you do intensely. I, I told you some years ago that for me, those days, these days, all my books are PDFs. But even now, and I still do it. I do. I have a lot of my books on my phone. I do. Those days, 
I'll get a new book. Before I read it, I'll kiss the book. Put it on my chest. Uh, uh, in your life. Yeah, that's important. Because I, I don't know what to do. Like, hey, like, book has come. Keep the book. I'm not. God is my witness. It's not like someone is there. That you can do it for someone to see. No, no one is there. But many of the time, even me in my own house, many of my spiritual moves, you will know. Even Mama B will know. Quietly, you will know. So you may come and I'm, as you are coming, I'll put it down. <laughs> like, like, you won't come and find me. It's not for you. You understand that? I do on my own. Quietly, I'm, I'm so excited because what is in the book? Hmm. Then I just flip through the book. I check the back. I check the pages. Some of you, I, I tell you, read the book. I tell you quickly how many pages. It's not because like, we study pages. So it's like the book. You understand? The book. Wow. So we check table of contents. Wow. So I'm imagining that by the time I'm, I'm done with this book, all these things in the table of contents will be mine. They'll be inside me. They will take it. You open it. Hallelujah. Yeah. They will read. They will read. Times we don't even read from first page. Sometimes you don't read introduction. It means you don't, you don't love knowledge. You have a problem. Hallelujah. You have to read introduction. You have to read preface. Read it. Because that's what is like, Yanazan. Hey! We see where you are reading the preface. Hey. Hallelujah. When I was in school, I, I never read preface in church in generations. So I, I understand my problem. Yes, I mean that I didn't love learning in that regard. But for these things there, even when I was school, preface, we read it. Hallelujah. Yeah. Kiss the book. So now I did my phone. Because, hmm. Because, do you know? Some of you, you may not understand this. It's difficult. Some of you, the things that you know, you are in the system now. You get it. So it's, or the books you are reading and all that, you are in the system now. So it's easy for you to find. Because, like, some of us have found it. You understand? And you easily get it. You know, when you want to, maybe you know, you want to understand something, but the material, with which to start understanding is nowhere. Like, it's nowhere. Nowhere. And you do you know how God works. If God will teach you, you must find material in the earth first. So it's not true. It's true. It's not, it's true. So by one day, God taught me something. It was in your memory. Without it, I've already explained this to you. If God will begin to teach you something, then, see, do you know what Paul said? Say, how can they know except they are taught? How can they know? The Ethiopian eunuch reading uh, the book of Isaiah and Philip got there. Say, do you understand? Say, how can I understand except a man explains it to me? Maybe some of you, where you are coming from, you'll be made to think that you can one day wake up and move into the spirit and touch God. Try it. You, you, like, you, 
are you trying to move and you can't move? Like, uh, let me use a simple example. Like, even in a particular topic in your academics, those of you are in school, you want to launch into understanding the topic. The textbook is before you. Even this one, the textbook is before you. It's not like you don't even have a textbook. The textbook is going, you want to, you are just like, today, I'm going to understand this topic. But the textbook is, and the textbook is before you. And that's, that's, that's where you are. You can't, you want to move, you can't move. Has that happened to you before? So do, do you know what you need? You need somebody to teach you. And you see somebody comes and explains one, two, three, four, five. You follow it for better. You realize now you don't need anybody you have enough to now search on your own. So in, in, in the things that we learn, we need materials, we need knowledge, and at times you can search, 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 search. Hallelujah. And at times we can even search, we don't find. So what we do is that we extrapolate from certain areas. It is like the specific information you are looking for, you can't find it. But there's one that is like the cousin of what you are looking for. So you start from there and you draw, you, you draw the lines, you see. You draw your graph and you see it falls with you. But I can give you feel like still you need more knowledge. So if you have searched, search, 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 and you don't find. Like then the following day you are searching. One week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, one month, one year, and then one day. One day, you are, you, are, you are passing somewhere and then you find it. What, what, do you, what should you do? You want to kiss it and put it on your chest and, yeah, because you've looked for it and it, you know how it can, it can make you barren. Yeah, hallelujah. Yeah, you, because you want to take a step, but you can't. There's nothing with which to begin your step. There's nothing. It's like a lame person. You are lame. You want to walk, but your, your legs don't work. You don't have what it takes to walk. That's a lame person. So you want to move. Some of you, you, you may even face a problem. You, all, you know that you have to come out of this problem. But which first step must you take? That is you coming out. It's not that you might just take a step. There's a step that is like you are coming out. Which one is it? And you are there. Because there's a step. But you don't know it. Hallelujah. You don't know it. You must become awake. Everything that we need for life is being shared with us. We are being taught things that if we could assimilate them, you, like, <laughs> if you could assimilate them. But, we are not awake. Hallelujah. And we are not awake because we are set in our ways. May the Lord help us so that we become awake. If you are set in a certain lifestyle, leave that life alone so that you can become awake. Huh? You are set in a certain habit that it is it's like it's your driving, it's driving you. It's not every particular thing that is driving you. There's a particular 
focus is the sin that so easily entangles you. Normally, that is the one that is preventing you from being away. All the others, you could just leave them. But this one thing, you can't leave. This one condition of fact, you can't abandon. This one dream, you can't leave it behind. It's your dream to be a celebrity. When you hear such things, you want, ah, is it possible for somebody to have such a dream? It is. You, you're a human being. Check and see. You also have some. Maybe you, this one sounds outrageous to you, but there's a reason you are also not awake. Or if even you are awake, you are not awake to the level that you could be. There's a reason. There's a reason. May the Lord deliver us so that we can be awake, so that we can be alive to the things that, some of you come here, we say many things you don't understand, but you have not done anything about it. You are not awake. So, but they don't understand. You think it's my responsibility to explain everything to your understanding? Have you? So, yes, no. No. It's my responsibility to explain as much as possible. But we are different here. So the work of understanding itself is in the hands of the one that seeks to understand. It's in your hands. It's in your hands. There are people around that if you just want to understand and you search and you come into contact with them, they will talk out your ears or tear. They will explain and explain and explain, explain things you have not asked about because they will predict it's your next question and they explain that one too and explain and explain to it. You are sitting here, you have not done anything about it. You don't get it. There are many things I've shared in the past, so I may not dwell on them now. And maybe you came not too long ago, and you are there, you are fine. How, why will you be fine? Are you not bothered? If you are not bothered, you are not awake. That's my point. You are not awake. Hallelujah. You know, this one on campus, one of the things that I liked the most was to be in charge of the minister. Maybe I invited a minister for a program. So we'll go and pick the minister from the airport. They will go and bring him there. When it's time for him to come and preach, we'll go and bring him from his hotel and bring him to the program. And I mean, people will like it for different reasons. Actually, you are working with the minister. It's powerful. But me, ask them. It's questions upon questions. It's a bit of front. It's on a bit snitch. You took on a Maybe if you airport, you buy Then I tell you, man of God, uh, when you are doing this and this happens, what does it mean? Like that. I remember one of the questions I asked some years ago. I asked it to Apostle Dan Clark. So why do people fall under the why? He explained. And interesting enough, enough, his explanation was sort of a very good one. It, it was actually very powerful side that my understanding of such things began from there. Did you understand that? It was very powerful. Some of, of course, some of the time, the answer would not be enough. Do you get it? But you have asked. 
So you keep asking, you keep checking. A lot of you have things, people trying to, now they are chasing you with answers. You are running away. You are not awake. You are not, you are not awake. You are not awake. You, they, now they are chasing you. We didn't have answers. We, we didn't have answers. We, when we even find an answer, you, you want to ask somebody what they think. We didn't have anybody. Hallelujah. We don't have anybody. But you have people now they are chasing you with answers. So no, no, I don't want these answers. How can you want, how can you not want God's answers? How? But who could you say that one will be say you upon the only answer and you upon the dream? God is chasing you with answers. You run away. I said, it's because something is ruling your life. You are set in your ways concerning something. Until you remove yourself from that, you will never be awake. Or you will not be awake to the extent that you need to be awake. So those that are not awake, anytime the word of God comes to them, they are faced with a decision to decide one particular life, you must live it. Then you say no then the word has no profit. Then the word comes next time. It's that thing. Anytime that God is standing at the gate, he will come right now. If you just abandon this thing that you are set on doing, this kind of thing that you are set on pursuing, if you just give it up, or not even give it up, let it be your secondary pursuit. Understand that a man's life does not consist in this. If you just accept that, then you are not going to wake up and that's what is driving you as you wake up. If you just appreciate that, you start becoming awake. But you don't want to. Hallelujah. These are we here. So we are talking about fruitfulness and the things in today, what causes barrenness. Hallelujah. Because one of the days, the Lord told me we must break the spirit of barrenness. Hallelujah. So today, I'll share with, with us what causes barrenness or the lack of fruit, and then we'll go to God in prayer. Hallelujah. I know that every one of us have fruit that as you say, see it be bare. Do you understand that? Yeah. Everybody, you see, that's the thing. If you are at zero, God's impression, you must be at one. Like if you are there, that's what God is trying to. So God is trying to always stare in your heart, staring into your heart that you must go to one. You must go to if you are 50, God is always staring in your heart that you must be at 51. Do you understand that? So wherever you are, God is staring in you something that you must become, something that you must produce. It does not matter where you are. And you are, if you have not stepped into it, if you have not produced it, then you are barren as to that thing. You understand that? So, no matter how fruitful it, you are, everybody carries some level of barrenness with them. Amen. Yeah. And even when you have given birth to something now, the next thing that you must give birth to, once it has not been produced, then you are barren as to that thing. Please, are you here? 
Yeah. So the thing that caused barrenness, there are actually some poor things that we know, but I'll mention them. The first one is the lack of desire. Hallelujah. The lack of desire. And I've, I think with what I've explained to you be, uh, concerning being awake, you can appreciate it because to be awake is to have that desire to be something spiritually or to pursue a spiritual path. Hallelujah. And without that desire, no journey begins, including the journey of fruitfulness. Hallelujah. And you must understand that fruitfulness is not that you don't produce anything. Fruitfulness has to do with where you are producing. So if you have no product within the kingdom of God, if you are not producing anything within the kingdom of God, and you are rather producing in the kingdom of darkness, then in the kingdom of God, you are barren. Hallelujah. If you are producing things outwardly, but because of the intentions and the thinking behind what you are producing, maybe you are even producing jobs for people, but the, your motive is to enrich yourself. And you know that the way to enrich yourself is to expand. And if you expand, people uh, must work in your... This. So you sit there and say, oh, I'm creating jobs. But your truest motive is to enrich yourself and to enslave people to do it. You are not producing fruit in the kingdom. Hallelujah. So outwardly, you are producing something. That when men judge on the outside, they will think that, oh, it's a powerful thing. But before God, you are not producing any fruits. Amen. You are not, because we learned it in the course of the week, that the spiritual impact you make with your life, which is the fruit, that spiritual aspect of it are the ones that are contained in the action. Please, you understand that. And those ones make impressions or impacts on the spiritual kingdom of God. So you can do good things on the outside, but because of the motives and the thinking behind them, those good things will not be good. And therefore, you'll be bringing forth fruit in darkness, in the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. So as to the kingdom of God, you are barren. That's the point I'm making. So maybe you are producing something here, but as to the kingdom of God, you are barren. Amen. Or in one area of your life, you could be producing something, but as to another area, you are barren. Do you understand that? Yeah. So what, um, um, bearing fruit is not just that you are producing something. It is where you are producing. If it is in the kingdom of God, then you are fruitful. Then you are fruitful. Hallelujah. Fruitfulness is not just fruitfulness. It is the good that is being produced. If it is good that is being produced, and good has to do with God's kingdom. If it is good that is being produced, then you are fruitful. So what causes barrenness is the lack of desire. The lack of desire. Because without desire, the Bible says, through desire, a man having separated himself intermeddled with all what? Wisdom. So when you, you, are, you desire to be fruitful in a certain thing, you must live your life this way. And that's bearing fruit. You must, you must do these things. And that's bearing fruit. You must give your life for this. That's, that's bearing fruit. But you find that the desire to do it is not there. It's like, how crucial it is that you are being told that this is crucial. You somehow don't feel it's that way. And if that feeling is not there, for example, you must become something spiritually. But if the feeling is not there, that you want to become something spiritually. Those of you who didn't feel that and now feel it, you know that there's a, there's a big difference. You know, of course, that that feeling you feel now, it, in the future, it will not be enough. So it has to grow. 
Do you understand? But for now, if you compare how you felt before that you did not care much about God and how you feel now as, as you really are driven by the desire to become something spiritually. Some of you before, all that you cared about was um, becoming something in the world. That's all that you cared about. Hallelujah. But now you see the difference between what you cared about earlier on and how now you see it. Now you are driven by a desire to become something in God. Without that desire, you were not going to move. You were not going to become whatever you needed to become. And fruit bearing is in two ways. You must become something. When you become that thing, you, the fruit has been produced. Then that thing that you become uh, will lead you to a certain way of life. So in order to produce fruit, you must become a certain fruit. Hallelujah. Please are you here. You must become a certain fruit. You yourself must be born again as to that very thing. And that in itself is a fruit. Hallelujah. You must become a certain person. Then that person goes on to produce a certain kind of result. So that's how we see fruit bearing. So without the desire, you will not become the person that will produce the kind of fruit that God wants you to produce. And if you are not that kind of person, no matter what you do, forget. So we must become a certain person. Then we can produce the fruit. So two ways. What you become. And without desire, you will not seek to become that. Because it is not a simple thing to just become. It's, it's, it's true overcoming. It's true struggle. You struggle with yourself. It's true difficulty. You press into it. Jesus said that the gate and the way, they are narrow and they are straight. So few press into it. That, that, is, that is the path of becoming something. That is the path of bearing fruit. It, we press into it. We push into it. With, because there's resistance. Resistance from what? Resistance from what it is that we love. What it is that we love, that is not of God. What it is that we prefer, that is not according to the ways of God. These things rise to stop us when we want to be born again. Hallelujah. Please are you here? When we want to be born again, these things rise to stop us. So it is with struggle. So if there is no desire and you have an attitude, this laissez-faire attitude towards becoming what, oh, they say we must become, uh, you see. If you have that, you are, you are not getting anywhere because of the resistance. If there was no resistance, like, like the way rain falls, nobody creates the rain, you understand that? So you just pass through it and it falls on you some. No matter what you do, it will fall on you some. But when it comes to spiritual things, because of resistance to the birth. You see, it is because of that resistance that childbirth, in terms of correspondence, childbirth is with travail. So we say, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth. Some of some people misinterpret this to mean that if a person comes to the altar court, they are born again. No, it means you don't understand travail. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you understood travail, you would know that travailing is a process. And the doctors will tell you, it's a process of adjustment. Doctor, you are adjusting, right? You are opening up your things. It means that the way you were, the baby can't come out. So now, things have to shift. There's dilation. Those that have given birth before, you, you contract, because they say, hey, the baby is coming, and you go to the hospital, they say, one, one centimeter. They say, go home. Say, no, they say, hey, the baby is coming right now. Hallelujah. It's in your future. 
<laughs> the baby is coming right in there. Go home. Go home. Go home. Hallelujah. Then if you know that you feel like this one there is not, it's coming. You come and say three. Oh, you feel the pains. The contract. That's travail. And the travail is, is, is showing how, it's showing the struggle by which we, we become what we must become in God. And that struggle is not the baby's fault. Hallelujah. It's the adjustment. We now, it's your fault that the baby hasn't come. You understand that? So you must undergo the adjustment. So the baby, they open so over. But your, your system is not ready. So you must undergo the adjustment. And that is a transformation. And that adjustment is not easy because your body is set in its ways. Hallelujah. So to move it out of its default setting and to prepare it for the baby's coming, it comes with struggle. If there were no resistance, you would not have the pain of childbirth. But because of the resistance, then it becomes a travail. And that is how becoming fruitful, that is how becoming a certain kind of person that bears fruit, that is how it is. So without desire, what are you doing? Hallelujah. What are you doing? Without desire. Without desire. Without desire. And those of you who have observed travailing before, you realize that in travailing, women giving birth, they normally lose their mind. But you have to monitor from woman to woman. And you will understand what is going on. That in the process where they lose their mind, those that are able to keep themselves to follow in a certain way are those who have built a certain strong desire for a certain outcome in the delivery. Hallelujah. Yeah. Because there, your, your simple Russian, my sister, oh, we are the Hebrew women. We just give, I, I was with a certain lady some years ago who was going to give birth. And I was trying to encourage her that way today. She said, oh, we are of the Hebrew women. So I left her and then... <laughs> No, not like I abandoned, but I left her and went to work. She was at Tech Hospital. You know, my office used to be close to. Yeah. So I left her and then I went. Then I asked a lady who was with her in the house. He said, Charlie, when the thing started coming, she went mad. Like she just was all over the place. And <laughs> so I asked her, she said, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Hallelujah. Yeah, so now if you, instead of doing the right thing, this is what you care about. You see, yeah, he blew it. Let the baby just come out and stop. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, so during that time, the, the struggle, okay, it is so difficult that many people, that it's like, if you have been rushing just for, to impress people, that one passes. So there, Kakra Akano, you see, the one that is really yours is what you are praying to. And normally, it is, that one is tied to a certain desire. Hallelujah. Some of you, you destroy yourself during childbirth, and you won't care. Some of you, you destroy your down there. Do you know your down there? You destroy it. They say, when you are pushing, don't lift your buttocks. Hallelujah. The craziness of the suffering is such that you, you, you lift your buttocks. You need a certain desire for a certain outcome. You understand that? You need a certain desire for a certain outcome. That is what will help you possess your soul in the matter. And then you let your and 
splash, splash thing. They have to gather the pieces and reform there for you again. Hallelujah. Some of your wife will go and come, it will not be the same again. Hallelujah. You think it's a joke? Eh? Ask. They are telling you, the baby has come, but she's still inside there. Hallelujah. Yeah. The baby has come, but she's still inside there. See, I used to argue that people should be there and watch what is going on. You understand? But after a while, that argument went down. Because you, the kind of thing that you hear about, you understand, that can happen. Now, if you, if you see what has happened down there, you will never be the same again. You will not approach that territory again. Except there is a complete rebirth. The Lord touches you in a special way. I'm, tell, I'm telling you. Hallelujah. No, Omar say how can he pam me for floor? Nah, Charlie, it's true. So you see, there you cannot see anybody who gives. Birth, I'm telling you, come, all your comportment, all your it goes, it goes away. You are left with that little pity that is really you. In this thing, I want to say what bottom at hata, huh? And when now you start insulting people, you start talking by heart, and you start becoming angry, insulting your husband, insulting, you have not heard it. Woofly, uh, what by you know that there is a lot of repentance to you. You So it was because of the pain. No, me say, when you are pressed, what comes out is you. So because of the pain, no, yes. But no, 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 no. Are not, you could cry, you could say, Oh Lord, I'm suffering. I, I, I remember I was in the Abner's delivery room. She was quoting scriptures. Hey! <laughs> when the day was coming out. Another boy. Oh, quoting scriptures me. Hey! Pressure. Maybe she would them. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, me, I've watched two child birth, like uh, our two girls. Every time me I came from, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Because the pain, and I'm there, the pain can increase, increase, increase. And you know that, Charlie, it's out of your hand. So, I'm watching. Hallelujah. And their comportment. You see, one thing I, mean, I look at is how much you can obey during childbirth. Hey, they say, don't do this. Don't stretch. They are stretching. Because you feel like if you was, if only you could stretch, all would be well. And they say, it, it will work against the bad. Like that's how your temptation size is. You are so pressed. If Just take this bread, uh, stone and turn it into bread. All would you just curse God and die? We are just tired of this suffering. Must childbirth become like this? Some of you, your childbirth may even become offended with God. Hallelujah. But you see, there you need something strong. I tell you, you need something strong. 
And that is the desire that is required if you are going to be fruitful. Without it, and at a time when this desire is not present, there is a certain fear of loss. So that is also part of the desire. So you fear you will lose something to the extent that you are unwilling to allow the desire to be fruitful, to thrive. And that's what I've already explained it. When you are set in your ways, you are set in your ways. You don't want to change. And, and to give that thing up is, is to die. Hallelujah. To give it up to you is to die. So you, you fear, like the Bible talked about uh, the Lord delivering those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Why will a person fear death? Spiritual death. What death has to offer? They will fear death because they fear the loss of something that death has to offer. Hallelujah. Because fear is attached to love. If you love something, you fear to lose it. If you think that this is your life, this your body is your life, and you love this body, the loss of this body will become your greatest fear. Hallelujah. And if you think that God is your everything and you set your heart on God, then the loss of God, to not have God, to not have his wisdom, will become your greatest fear. That fear is proper fear. That's what it means to fear God. You don't want to live without God. But if you fear, uh, if you love the world, if you love the things that are of self, then there's a fear that is attached. And that fear, that fear of losing what it is that you think you will lose, it can keep you from going forth to bring forth fruit. So the desire can be lacking because of a certain fear. That is still related to your heart. Because now you have desire for another thing. You are set on another thing. And you fear that you will lose that. And for many of us, the demonic activities work on us in this regard. We fear we will lose something. And many of times we will not even lose it. So you fear that if you go out all out for God, you, you will become poor. It's not true. But I don't even want you to... My argument is not that, oh, you will not become poor, so work for God. No. If that becomes your motivation, you are lost. You must go like, if our God will deliver us, but even if we, he does not deliver us, we will not bow to this statue. That's what the brother said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Our God will deliver us. But even if, so it's a matter of principle. It is not the prospect of being wealthy. That is encouraging me to follow the spiritual path. That's why when we, when we, when we are married, they say, for better, for worse. Some people say, we will not say it. We were in that group some years ago. But it, it's, not, it's not the case. For better, for worse, it's not that you are predicting worse for the marriage. For better, for worse, is a definition of love. That love does not change. Love is going to be constant, no matter the circumstances. So love, if you want to define love, you can't say for better. If you say for better alone or for better for best, that is not love. Love is love because of its, its unchanging nature. Hallelujah. It is, cause, it is unconditional. There's nothing that can make it change. Hallelujah. There's nothing that can make it change. That's why we say this is love. This is love. There's nothing that can make it change.
So that's how we approach God. We know that this is the life he has chosen for us. Even if in pursuing that life we die, whether we live or we die, we live or we die unto the Lord. The Lord will not have abandoned us. We will still be fine in the material, but even if we are not fine, this path is still worth taking. This path is still worth taking. If you can approach spirituality that way, fear goes. But if you are set on what is of this world and what is of self, you'll be afraid. And that fear will hold you back. Some of you, you want to go all out for God, but you fear that you will not get your heart. Some of you, you want to be committed to what we are doing here, but you fear if you are committed, you will not get a husband. You will not get a wife. You will not get a what? And do you know the interesting thing? The devils can allow you to be around because they know that when you, they have something with you already, as the day that something good is about happening, the day that probably you are about becoming a witch, I've seen many people. You said they are about, they are close to becoming awake. Then a wind blows, a wind, and they are, they are, they are not a, a, available to what God is going to do again. And some of them are displaced somewhere. So we will follow. Hallelujah. So desire. Amen. Desire. Desire. The second one is knowledge. Now this knowledge is the external knowledge. Remember, the external knowledge is necessary for the internal knowledge to be developed. So this is the, the knowledge that you learn and you learn it from the or through the external. This is necessary. Hallelujah. So you can have desire like I shared earlier on. You can have desire, but if you don't have knowledge, understanding as to how to proceed, you can have the desire that God is trying to get you to be productive. But if you don't have the knowledge as to how you may become what you need to become, as to how you may produce the kind of food that you feel God is tearing you up to produce. If you don't have that knowledge, you are stuck. So what can make you barren also is the lack of knowledge. If you have desire and there is no knowledge, you become barren. If you have knowledge and there is no desire, you become barren. Hallelujah. Please are you here? Knowledge. That's why we go for knowledge. That's why we place ourselves in situations where knowledge will come to us because we want to become something. Why am I reading all the time? Why am I trying to study something? Why am I trying to understand something? Because I want to become something. I have what I can see in terms of what I must become in, uh, as a pastor. And I'm nowhere. And I must become it. Imagine I don't become it. And what will you do? Hallelujah. Maybe for now it may be okay. But there's coming a time that it will not be okay that I am not the way I am now for you. Because maybe the demand that you'll be placing, will, it will be too much for what I am. Please understand that. Yeah. 
So I have to increase. I have to become better. And without knowledge, where, how do I get there? So we search for knowledge. We do research. In Christianity, there is research. It's only Christians that think that there's no research. <laughs> like knowledge, blah, blah. No. You have to sit down and search. These days, there's Google. Search, search, search. Find a book. Look for something. Get like you are searching. You have to pack books. At times, you discover a book that you don't need now, but you know you need it in the future. You understand? So you pack it there. You pack it there. You pack it there. Some of you, when you have your computer, you are backing up. You don't back up your books. Hallelujah. What do you back up? Your pictures and then your what? Me, if I get a phone, the first thing I back up onto that phone is my books and my notes. Finished. The rest, anything you can buy, I don't need. These two things. If I get a new external, I have my books, PDFs, I copy it onto that external. Once it's there, I'm fine. Hallelujah. What will you back up? Your thesis. Not bad. But how is it that that is the one that you are bent on backing up? And then the books and the messages. Hey! No backing up. So where are the Oh, I, my, my heart is crashed. Do you have an external? Yes. But why didn't you? Oh, it didn't come to mind. You are asleep. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. There's a time that I, I could distribute a lot of my books to the leaders and the fellows. They give you some. I distributed it. And one thing that I was happy about inside the Nina now, the business said, and you're right. I can get it from there. You have to go for knowledge, understanding. Hallelujah. Yeah, without that, you can't bring forth fruit. But the knowledge will show you what to do, how to do it, the steps to take, what not to do. And all of it is there. And the more you search, you see, let me tell you, when you, must, when you begin to search, it feels lonely. When you want to understand something and you begin to search, it feels lonely. I've never really gotten used to that. I don't know if there's anyone here who is used to it. It feels like to you, this one, you will never find it. It has that feeling. And it feels like you are lost. Then you push beyond that. Then you are searching. You are searching. You are searching. You are searching. I can search I and I'll, I'll despair. Then I'll be there. Then I'll stand up again. And I'll search. 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 But the more you search, the more you begin to recognize an unseen hand that is directing your search. But at the beginning, you will feel that way. But as you push, you realize that ah, there's a hand. God, like you are doing a research, but God is directing you to corners and to places and to things. And you are, you are now paying attention to things that you would never have paid attention to. Your eyes are open. You say, no, there's, there's a supernatural part of it. But if you assume, okay, then that supernatural part must begin with me. So as you want to say, you are waiting for the hand to come upon you. Not, no, it, it doesn't work like that. But then as you keep pushing, as you do not allow yourself to back, back down, as you keep pushing, you realize that, no, God is directing me. I've chanced upon many things that I knew that this one, God brought it. But it was, without, it, was, it was not without me pushing and not giving up. 
Hallelujah. It was not without that. So you must search for truth. You must search for understanding. And being here, there are many things. Some of you, you bring up questions, it has been preached before. Then you say, where? Where? In the, they give you a message, it's inside it. Say so they should show you which part of the message. Unbelievable. One of the things that those days I understood about my search is that through my search, I found many other things that I was not searching for. Why don't you want that? Because there's coming a time, you think that it's only what you might find that God is looking at. The other thing that you chance upon that you don't need at that time, there's coming a time that you will need it. Actually, one of the things that made, opened my mind, said that it's like almost everything I could understand it was because I was searching a lot. So you chance upon many things. And me, if I'm searching and I chance upon something that I like, I suspend the search and I go on that tangent till there's nothing I, I can't do it. You understand that? Then you return to the search. So when you are searching, that's one thing that happens. You go off tangents a lot. And that's part of your upbringing. But the one that just wants to be shown that this way to go for it, after that, that's all that you have. You don't even know how it was arrived at. What do you do with just that? Today, it's in a certain message. Or you want to understand something, they give you a series. You are not awake. You should be thankful that there is a series. Because we said for series, there was no series anywhere. No series anywhere. No series anywhere. I remember those days when I was younger and I was trying to understand the Trinity. God have mercy. Everything, I, I, I listened to everything, read, oh. Still, then I chance upon a material. Then you read the material, you don't really understand it well. So you are looking for those who have read it and understood it and then explained it. You understand? You don't get. Some of, some of you, you now some of you know like people like of the left eye, um, Sodenburg Foundation. Some of you pass there from time to time. No, but that's not how it was. So if you even some, some books that you have now, the language itself is nicer. It's contemporary language. Some of us are books. Have you seen my books before? It's like King James English kind of thick English. So, like the words that are being, that's how come at times in my preaching, I use certain expressions. It's not because I want to, it's because this is my background. This is, these are the things that I consume to understand what it is that I understand. Hallelujah. So, I use certain expressions because of that. It's not the expressions that are not your normal everyday expression. But we have to stay in it, learn it, and understand it. You can't, who will you? Like, you want somebody to explain. I even went searching for the one who gave me the, the book. When I went, he didn't believe it again. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. So, you are there. I can't tell you people to. Because me, I'm even afraid of what I'm seeing. Hallelujah. Like, if I tell you, what will you think? What will you say? You know what that means. But you have... Everything is there. Everything. Everything. Some people feel like if you give people everything, that, that's when they don't become serious. I believe that when people are, are not interested, they don't desire to be whatever they need to be. 
if they don't desire knowledge. That's when they are not serious. Because there are people that will take advantage of everything that is available. And now there, there are many things available to you. Knowledge upon you can understand everything. Actually, you can understand life, at least in this first stage of understanding, by going for messages, books, and sitting there, and you, you get it. You understand everything. You understand the doctrine. Some of you don't understand. After now, you don't understand Trinity. You understand Trinity. I can teach you the doctrine of Trinity from anywhere. I can begin a, a, a teaching on Trinity now. I don't need to go and prepare anything. I can use different things to teach you to. Like, and it's not because um, um, I've read those different things. I've studied it and I've lived it in a certain way that I get it. You see, and you can get it. But you say, what, what will you do? You have you are, you are asleep. If God opens your eyes as to your life without understanding the nature of God, you realize that a lot of your lack of progress in spiritual things. For example, let me tell you something. If I'm praying, uh, if I'm praying and the prayer is not getting anywhere, like you feel blocked. Have you felt blocked in prayer before? You know one of the things I do? I, I say Jesus. When I say Jesus, it changes. The atmosphere changes for me because I know that it is God that I'm speaking to. You understand that? But when you say you have to think about it, is God, the, the Godhead is embodied in him. You have to fight with other things that will come into your mind. No, when I say Jesus, I know, and it changes. It changes. Actually, when I say Jesus, it is like an appearance of God before me. It feels that way. It feels that way. And you know why I know that it is true? Because in spiritual things, presence of mind means presence. So if God, if you're able to project God as to who he is in your mind, God is present with you there. Hallelujah. Love for that mind, uh, knowledge that has come into your head means you are joined. So it is not just that God, you can feel that God is present, but you get nothing out of it. But an affection for what brings the presence means that you are joined to God. Now that impact is made. That's spirituality. Hallelujah. So you must go for knowledge. Now, when you go for knowledge, so, um, so lack of knowledge brings uh, barrenness, isn't it? Now, this knowledge I've explained that is the external knowledge. Then the lack of spiritual knowledge. So there's a, a second knowledge that is spiritual. And that is the knowledge that you gain through perception. We've learned about that a lot here in the past few weeks. That knowledge that produces faith. It is an internal knowledge. And that knowledge only comes about when you practice the things that you have learned. You open yourself up for perception. Is that here? Now, it is that perception. When you, you now know the truth in the light of truth. Like if I say you know the truth in the light of truth, you won't get it except you have known truth in its light before. You understand that? It is like you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And it's not because you have found yourself in, or you are in the company of people who believe similar things, so you feel strong in that company. No, you are convinced. So that if everybody walked that way, you still believe. And it's, because, it's not because you have not seen, because you have seen, you have seen, you have experienced, you have touched, you have handled. There's this, this opening of your interior sight that has taken place that makes you see truth, not from the external, but from the internal. That place that you come to is what we call conviction. And when you stand in that place, you have become one that is ready to benefit. In other words, you have become a new creation. 
Hallelujah. Then now, you can produce. Because if God is going to produce, you need desire. And in this process, your desire is actually made purer. Let me put it that way. Because the desire that moves you to go searching is not enough. That desire must be purged. And in the obedience to the information that you learn, that desire is purged. If that desire were, were okay, you wouldn't face the struggle in trying to become what you need to become, even when you have gained truth. But when the pageant is done, now in producing the kind of fruit that God wants you to produce, there is no more struggle because you have become another man. Hallelujah. Please, are you here? You have become another man. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 17. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 17. And when they urged him, this is the uh, people talking to Elisha. And when they urged him, Till he was ashamed, he said, now they were looking for Elijah, okay? He said, send. So they should send men to look for Elijah. They sent for 50 men, and they sought three days, but found him not. They couldn't find Elijah. This is the time that Elijah left. You understand that? Okay. And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho. Now keep Jericho in your mind. So Elijah was now at Jericho. He said unto them, did I not say unto you, go not? Verse 19. And the men of the city, that's the city of Jericho, said unto him, said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord seeth, but the water is not, and the ground is barren. Hallelujah. So, in terms of its destiny, it's supposed to be a good city. Hallelujah. It's supposed to produce something. Now, we know that Jericho is a state that we come into after we have applied the truth. We've learned this here before. That's the state where truth has become good or truth has produced results. And we see it in what Jesus talked about, that a man left Jericho, sorry, Jerusalem onto Jericho. And when he was going, he was attacked by thieves. And Jerusalem is the Lord as to the truth or one who, anyone who gains knowledge of the truth gains it in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. That's why the temple was there. That's why they were teaching in Jerusalem. Now, the transition from Jerusalem to Jericho has to do with one that has gained knowledge but want to be fruitful in that knowledge. So, makes the journey with that knowledge. Is that here? But the journey is a perilous journey. So, in this case, the one that was going from Jerusalem to Jericho was attacked by robbers. The thief came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You understand that? So, now, the, the Samaritan... Uh, or this, the man from Samaria came in to help this person and then nursed him up so that he can continue with his journey. Please are you here? So with that, it should help you appreciate Jericho. Jesus doesn't just tell stories. If a man was moving from Jerusalem to Jericho, then Jerusalem means something and Jericho means something. And to move from Jerusalem to Jericho means something. Amen. Now that's what I'm trying to bring uh, to your attention here. So Elisha told them that they should bring him a new cruise and put salt therein. And they brought it to him. Verse 21. And he went forth onto the spring of the waters. That's the source of the fountain. Please are here. And cast the salt in there and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. And there shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. Let's go. 
So the waters were healed unto this day according to the speaking or the saying of Elisha, which he speak. Now, if you look at this, you feel like Elisha was powerful. Are you here? But there's something that is being taught us from the spiritual understanding. And that's what I've explained to us. Now, the city of Jericho had to do with fruitfulness or be- uh, fruit bearing. What we become when we apply ourselves to the word. Are you here? But in this case, there was a problem. The water in that city was poisoned. And because the water was poisoned, the city was barren. Please, are you here? Now, the poisoned water is what we are trying to look at. The poisoned water has to do with a false understanding or the lack of understanding. And in this case, in the first instance, it will be the lack of understanding of truth in the external. So you don't have the right understanding. If you don't have the right understanding, it means that falsehood is able to thrive in your mind. Are you here? You see, to not know is not just a passive state. I just don't know. It means that you are in a state where you believe what is false also. If you don't have truth, it is what is false that is in your mind. If you don't have truth, you don't just become someone who doesn't have truth. It means you have what is false. Please are you here? So the waters that were poisoned has to do with falsehoods that a man has as a result of the lack of the knowledge of the truth. Please are you here? And that allows for barrenness to happen. So I've already explained to you that the causes of barrenness has to do with the lack of knowledge. Hallelujah. And now we also learn that that lack of knowledge before that is the lack of desire. Please are you here? And here, that is the beginning of the fountain. So the lack of knowledge, uh, the lack of right knowledge, that will produce the, the fruits or the, bring the person to the state of fruit bearing. That lack of right knowledge is hinged on something. And that thing is from the source of the fountain. And that has to do with desire. And that's the reason why we know in the scriptures, when Jesus said, have salt in yourself, ye are the salt of the earth. We know that salt is not just for taste. Are you here? Salt speaks of affection for truth. Listen, salt speaks of affection for truth. That's why Jesus said, have salt in yourself. It's not like take salt and put it in your belly. It means that without the affection for truth, truth is not profitable. Please, are you here? So you may have the knowledge of truth, but without the desire for that which the truth will do, that truth will yield no results. Amen. And so that is why Elisha took the salt and put it at the beginning of the fountain. So that's, that becomes the source of the river or the source of the water of the city. And he puts salt there. Please are here. So it is not just the knowledge of truth, but an affection that goes with that knowledge. And that affection becomes the desire that is now purged. Please are here. So when that salt went in, the Bible says that the water became clean. The poison was dissolved. And from that day, the city was no more barren. The land was no more barren. And this is what the scripture teaches us. If there is barrenness, if there is poisonous water, then there is the lack of affection, true genuine affection for that which the Lord wants. The will is problematic. The will of man is problematic. And that is the reason why there is barrenness. If there is barrenness, it means that the understanding is poisoned. If the will is 
problematic. If the will of man is seeking after such uh, other things, then that man will not yield to truth. And even if he receives truth because of the fact that his will or his affection is set on other things, that man falsifies the truth that he hears. So if the will is not correct, then the understanding will not be correct. The water will be poisoned. Hallelujah. The water will be poisoned. And if the water is poisoned, then there will be barrenness. What does the Lord do? He stirs in us a desire. Now that desire sets us on a journey to seek for understanding. How we may come out of that state. How we may become what it is that God is trying to make us. And we gather truth. When we gather the truth, true struggle, which is the travail, we, 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 we apply the truth to ourselves and we come to a new place. That new place is the new heart that is obtained. And that is what the salt goes to do. It gives a new heart. That new heart produces a new understanding. And that is the interior understanding that I was explaining to us. With this interior understanding, we have become people who produce fruits. We have become, in quotes, reborn. Without that, the water is poisoned. Without that, the land is barren. And no matter what we do, fruit will not come out. So God teaches us how barrenness can be removed. Salt must be put into the beginning of the pot. We must not just have information. We must have genuine affection for it. That affection is not produced when we hear the information. Even though God stares in every man's desire to become something, that desire must be purged so that a new desire will be formed in man. That new desire is formed through travail, through tra pushing, searching, pushing hard, applying yourself to the understanding that you are gaining and leaving behind that which stands in the way so that you can be formed into a new man. As you are, your new heart is being formed, the Lord said, I will give you a new spirit. Now you have become a man. So anything that you are not bearing fruit in, you must obtain a new heart concerning it. And you must obtain a new spirit. You must obtain a new heart and a new understanding. This understanding is not just external knowledge, it is internal knowledge. That is how habits are changed. You must obtain a new heart. Your a habit is as a result of an evil affection and a false understanding. If you battle a habit, you'll be battling an evil affection. That habit stays because there's something in it that you love. That habit stays because it produces an argument that keeps you in it. If you want to leave that habit, you will have to battle your way. And a sign that that habit is gone is that you have obtained a new heart concerning that situation and therefore a new understanding. That new heart with its new understanding keeps at bay the, the things that kept you enslaved in that habit. If you need to produce fruit in the kingdom, what is keeping you away from producing those fruits? What is holding you back? Because something must hold you back. If nothing held you back, to produce fruit is natural. In God's universe, to produce fruit is natural. It is rather unnatural to not produce fruit. So if there is no fruit, 
if you are not yielding fruit in the kingdom, if you are not becoming what you need to become in order to be useful to God in his kingdom, then something stands in the way. To remove that thing from the way will involve travail. You must give up on something. You must give up on being set on a certain way that stifles God's stirring work within you. You must give up on that. Other than that, you will not become what you need to become. All of us know what we could become. It is very difficult to find somebody who doesn't know what he or she could become. And it is because God comes from time to time. At the beginning, you may not get everything, but he will tell you something now. If you don't know now what you could become, if you allowed God, put up your hand. You will know. There's, the, the next step, I told you, if you are in zero, God will be impressed upon you about class one. If you are in 50, God will be impressed upon you about 51. Everybody knows what they could become, what they could be for God, what they could be for the society, what they could be for the church of God, what everybody knows what they could be. If it were not for what they loved, if it were not for what they feared, everybody knows everybody. Imagine you could be that thing. Imagine you could produce that. Except if it were not for your weakness, what you will bring down from heaven, you know. If it were not for what you were, you are afraid to give up, what you will bring down, what you will produce, what you will become. If it were not, it is time for us to not do if it were not. It is time for us to cut off that hand so that we can be mighty men and women for God. It is time for us to guard out that eye. It is time for you to be bloody. See, that I told you about addictions. Some of you, addictions, that's what has held you down now, up to now. When you are rearing your head, the addiction also comes up. Or you are allowed to rear your head for a few days, the addiction will come and pull you down for the next three months. And the more you try to come out, the more when you fall from the addiction, you sink deeper. Like you do things that you didn't even used to do before concerning that addiction. And you know that this is a major thing that has kept you. You must be angry today because it is making you barren. It's making you barren. You must be angry today. It's making you barren. And we must cut it out. We must cut it out. And when, do you know what, what you do when you feel like God is stirring up a desire for you to go on a certain run, a spiritual run? Do you know what you do? You cook up that desire in prayer. You don't just stand up and go. You, you must, you must, you, you see when the pandemic was strong, you have to be under the blanket. You understand? That's what you must do. Kind of you must stay because you need that. The journey is long. At one of the weddings, I was talking about rise up and eat for the journey. It's your wedding. For the journey is long. It's not a small journey. So you must stay with God in prayer. Cook up that thing. Let that go at times. And this attempt, the desire to go on a spiritual run, it springs up here. But if I ask, it springs up, it dies. Like it goes down. Like you feel like you want to, you, you, you want to hold it. 
Do you have that feeling? You have to hold it so it will persist. You feel like it should persist, but it comes like, then it goes, then it goes, then it goes. You have to sustain it. And normally there's something with you that has prevented it. And you can begin that journey in prayer. It's like somebody who is in a coma. It's like the heart beats. You see, when, when you are driven, your heart doesn't beat slowly. It beats pam, 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 pam. And that one is what you need to pass through. It's like my, where we are now, our gate that we open, our big gate. If a big a car is coming, that gate. If they say, where's your Peter? So they are sitting now, you should open and close the gate. If you open it like this, you get stuck. You get stuck, it's true. And when you get stuck, no matter from the place that you are stuck, no matter how you master strength. As, as we were there for about a week, I realized that my whole body was paining me. And I didn't understand. Then I realized it was the gate. <laughs> and before, when you push it, it comes off. So it's like you're afraid that it will come, so you want to be steady. And then you get stuck. Then you have to master strength. Then someone, the Peter was telling me that yesterday, three people had to push that gate open. So I was teaching him. When you start that gate, you know how you open it. Then to the end. <laughs> if you give room for small lack of desire, you, you, you understand? You push it. And when you are closing, because you can close it, it will be left with this. And it can't close. You'll be standing there doing it, will, it will not be going. So you know, normally you push it back a little. Then, push. that's how it is. <laughs> you have to, because the journey is long. And what will try to stop you, some, you know how the things that stop you, they stop you. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bloody thing. You know, you know how it passes corners, it passes corners, it passes corners, and it brings up argument. Look, you have to come to the place where, I remember those days when Damsu was separating from uh, Milushi, PMSU split on campus. And where Gamsu executives there, they say, oh, we'll go here, go and see this opening. Then they say, eh, no, why are you splitting? Then we explain, then we explain, then we explain. Then they say, no, your explanation is not enough. It's not enough. Then it was becoming a long thing. So I remember one of the meetings, we went to see Tovis. At that time, it was Professor Dakwa who was Tovis. So we're sitting in a meeting with him at the university administration. And I, 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 we were young then, so people were leaving us, so we were just delivered. But one thing I, I learned from that day, no matter what the man said, the message was that, no, we are splitting. That's the message. So you see, it's not like we are explaining. So you debunk the explanations. We are done with explaining now. Like whatever we explain, you say, but we don't get what we are also explaining. So in order to make matters short, if you say, why have you tried this? No, we are splitting. Have you, why not look at it? No, we are splitting. No. So eventually it became like, they said we are splitting. That's the thing. That's how you must become to what ensues. Kill me now. Eh? Kill me now, K-M-N. Kill me now. <laughs> kill, just kill me now, because this is it. I'm not touching this thing. Hallelujah. I'm not touching this thing. I'm not, so you, you are negotiating in your, the things. Yeah, so in the negotiation, you know, 
they will up the offer. And then you get, no, no, you must just kill me now. Okay, just kill me now. We are splitting. And say, I'm splitting from you this addiction. I'm splitting from you this trouble, this thing that my heart is after that has become my primary concern. I'm splitting. We are divorcing now. I've seen divorce too. And that was the thing. Have you seen somebody who is set on divorcing before? You debunk all their reasons. And they say they are still divorcing. I remember one of them, they sent it to court. The judge said no. And the lady said no. She's still divorcing. That means that you really want to divorce. That's how, it's a powerful approach. Hallelujah. It's a powerful approach. Say no, no, no. no okay. You, you, I know you say we should go and try again. We should, we should go back to reconsider. We should go back to, you can stop tomorrow. You can stop next week. You, you have the life ahead of you to stop. You have just today that you need it to survive. Hallelujah. It's too much pressure. It's too much. Like, must something today you are stopping. Must it be this difficult? Must it be? Oh, we are stopping. Hallelujah. And it's today. Please you understand. It's today, not tomorrow. We are giving up this thing today. This thing ruling us. We are giving it up today because we must become fruitful. If we send it to tomorrow, you'll be back trying to say that tomorrow too is difficult. And in principle, tomorrow will be more difficult than today. It's a principle. Tomorrow will be more difficult to give up. Tomorrow will be more difficult to give up. Because you have yielded more territory today. So the territory yielding must stop. You must break free. You must break. Some of you are into serious anger issues. And that is, st- is standing on your neck now. Some of you are into serious unforgiveness and you, pr- you pride yourself in your ability to hold grudges for long and how you, you, you don't care about anything. If you are angry with somebody, then you are angry. That's why you can't go anywhere. Your fruit bearing is, and you see, you are so proud of this. It's distorting your vision. Like, but today, you must give up. So if you give up, you, you lose strength, then let's lose strength. We don't want that strength. Today, the divorce must happen. That's why I like the, the song saying, See our hearts and remove anything that is time. Oh. Of coming. That's how it is. There's something that will stand up. And there's no one who has successfully followed God and did not leave these things behind. There's no one who has successfully produced it. The extent of your fruit is connected to what you left behind. It's connected to your sacrifice. So more fruit, more sacrifice. You lay down your life. You lay down your life. You lay that. You lay it down. You lay it down. You lay it down. They say, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Why can't I do it? You should ask yourself, why? What is it that is holding me back from seeking as my primary? Because that is what man was made for. To seek the kingdom in terms of the kingdom being in him and he being in operation in the kingdom, the man must seek it first as the primary desire. What is prior? The man must seek it first. Why can't I do it? There's something you are seeking. 
there's something that is holding you back. Some of you, you fear. You are threatened at times in your mind. Not that there's a that you feel is that you are talking to yourself in your mind. But you are being threatened and it makes you give up. So if you, you want to say, I'm going all out, but even though you are you fear to say it. Because the enemy, what is holding you is there. And and it's like, it's like you can't be divorced. It's like somebody who is in a bad relationship, an abusive relationship, but somehow feels that they can't separate from that relationship. But you can. And you must cook that desire. I know that's how I speak to you. Some of you, you have this burning desire in your heart. It's like, today is today. But as it comes, it's like, hey. Some of you, it, it, it's going to require major changes in your life. And that those major changes in themselves are said that it's, like, it's too much work. So you have, you have built systems around this thing that is holding you back. So that to change from that thing. I've met people like that. Even when it comes to doctrine, I've met people that I'm telling them something to they know is true. But if they say it's true, they have to change with all the other things they believe. And it's too much. So they, they stay. And some of you may be like that. Some of you may have to get out of a relationship. Ah, how can I do it? No, but you can. Some of you may have to just get out of a certain company group a certain uh, you must you must rearrange your course you must you, may, you must make some serious adjustments at a time one of the things you fight is that these are too much the attempt you say take just do it one small small so if you convince yourself that you are stopping small small has it worked it doesn't work small small they say don't yield, don't negotiate do you understand that see russia is moving into ukraine Whatever we think about it, the man doesn't care. They are entering. What can you do? That's how it must be with your uh, fighting. Don't negotiate. Don't let them give you terms. If you, if you take the terms that the devils give you, and it will be like, like I said, you are talking to yourself. If you take those terms, you yield territory. They will use it to floor you. If you accept the terms, don't take terms. Don't, don't say, I'm stopping. I'm, don't you say, I'm changing small, small. We are changing drastically. And that's the only thing there is, drastic change. We are changing drastically. Today, we are making major shifts. Not that we make a small shift so that you can easily override it. No, we are making a big shift now. So I'll stop gradually. Even those that are addicted to things, they wean them out of it. That's a man's advice. You understand? And that's addiction of the body. Addiction of the soul. God is bringing you out. Hallelujah. And you are not carrying it with you. Oh, if I do it today, I won't do it tomorrow, then I'll do it the next day. If I used to do it the, oh, every day, now I'll be living two days interval. You are still a slave. You are still a slave. Today we part ways. What do you think? So I said today we part ways. We are done. We, I won't even shake your hand. For us. I tell you, let's, take, let's do a last hug. So if you are trying to stop something, then you begin to contemplate how it was nice before. Then by the time you have not stopped, you are ending a relationship, and then you say, Oh, we don't end relationship with text messages. We I need to see you face this. I'm going to visit him to end the relationship. You are mad. You are mad. We will meet, but I'm sending the text message to break up now. So that's not ethical. That's why you are in it. So you are in it. You are in it. So now what do we do? You are in it. You want to operate. When you go, they convince you. 
they would hold your hands and they had had you and then you return that uh, the Lord is, is going to help you. <laughs> Send a text message. Send a text message. Make a call now, today. So I'm waiting two weeks. I'll meet her and then I'll break up. Send a message now, please. Send it now. Send let the message go. They'll send you that even the breakup, that you broke up with them um, on phone. So isn't phone, they, they are doing ICT in KG to Sally and them. Uh, means of communication. Mobile phone is part. Hallelujah. Mobile phone. That's why we made mobile phone. I'm the one that was like, if it's face-to-face, it's the same. I'm still the one that is talking. Amen. Even emails we send to do transactions. Important transactions that there's a lot of money on. Even that we send email. We send drawings through the email. You understand? So if I send that we've broken up and I write a long letter, it is me. Please, it's not anybody, it's me. No one intercepted it. I'm breaking up. I'll meet you in the future. But I want, I want to avoid it. And I did that tell if I meet you, it will be difficult. So I'm sending it now. When I meet you, I can substantiate. But by that time, we would have broken up. You just understand that. And as I said, you don't call me. If you call me, I'm not picking. Because before they start convincing you, you say, let's give it another try. I've met people that they said they were going to leave that thing because it was toxic. When I met them again, they said they prayed about it and God said they should try again. So what are you talking about? So we will not say, oh, can we be friends? Yes, we'll be friends. But after a long time of not being friends. Ah! Hallelujah. Because we are bent on separating. Will we feel bad? Like, hey, I want you close. We'll feel it. Hey, I remember when I started going out fresh and then there was vacation that Particular, I had to go to Cape Coast. Oh, we're, we're not going. No, I've met Mama Defense and we're relating. And it was nice. Then vacation, I had to go to Cape Coast. That long vacation. So you'll be lying there. Then I met Mama and we said, have you been stretching? Stretching. He said, when you stretch, stretch, you know that you have missed the person. Only the one who to chew me. So you feel that. You'll be lying on your bed crying. Uh, now we'll stretch it. Now we'll stretch it. But you don't you want to be alone while you do it. Nobody should. You don't want to talk. They shouldn't call you. I said we shouldn't be friends. We'll be friends. But after six months, then we'll be friends. Not now. If we are friends now, how will that be friends? Well, you don't understand the message. So we are leaving the thing. Walking away. No, it's a text. We use a text message to break up. We use text messages to say, I love you. Why can't we use it to say, I don't love you anymore? <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of you are outside the country, you meet somebody, uh, and you are trying to woo the person. What will you return in the next five years? Will you wait for that time to say, I want to enter a relationship with you? You propose on the phone, through WhatsApp, through Skype. Amen. So we end it too before we, we send the message that please, the relationship can't continue. And don't contact me. But you don't understand. Some of you, you are trying to break up, but you still want to come out looking good. Have you had some before? Have you had some before? You are, so because you are bent on looking good, you, you are still in the relationship. I've not found any reason to break up. No, you don't need one. That one that you have now is, is one that can, is not enough for the person. You understand that? So what will you do? I'm still breaking up with him. So the person says he won't accept or she won't accept. I say, okay, so continue being in the relationship. Let the, like, if I'm breaking up, you say you will accept. You continue. Yes, I, but I'm not in it. Is it, is it 
that day. But some of you are so mad. He said you won't accept to. She said she won't accept to. <laughs> what is the meaning of this? We are we left. We left a long time ago. We are going. But you don't understand the message. But some of you are bothered and you are still in it because the person says they won't accept. Ah. <laughs> so let the person be in the relationship. But you have moved on. I'm telling you, because you, are, you must become something. But you know that this thing is killing you. And it's killing you on the inside. You must leave this habit alone. You must, you must let these things go. You must reorganize your thinking as to what you want to become in life. And the old one must go. The old wife, the old husband must go. No negotiation. Hallelujah. It's a battle. It's a battle. That is an enemy. That's an enemy that has posed as a friend. The last time I explained it to you. That's an enemy that has posed as a friend. It's not your friend. It's not your friend. That's an enemy. Hallelujah. That evil habit is not your friend. It makes you feel comfortable and happy with yourself. But that's not your friend. So we don't negotiate. We leave it now. We leave it now. We let it go. We give up on it. Then we know that struggle will come, but today we are making the decision. The time for struggle to struggle with it and leave it. So not struggle like yeah, we'll give in. No, we'll fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. And not give in. You are not yielding territory. You are not overcoming this for one week. You are not set, being on the straight and narrow for one week and the next week will stop. No. Ravi, that's your life. It's because you give in. There's renegotiation. The terms change. You go back to your vomit. No. There's fruit to be born. What I said, you have to think and meditate on like what you could become if you allowed God. Then you see that the things that are not allowing you to allow God, we are your enemy. See what you could become. Hey, you can become a man of stature, full of wisdom, not information, wisdom, full of the spirit. Hey, if you allowed God, you could oh, 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 what you could become. Oh, a woman that just if, if you allow God. The problem is that you have not you are not allowing God. So we want to allow God so that we bear fruit. Do you like yourself at times? Like the way you spoil things. When your anger comes, you spoil everything. <laughs> you spoil everything. Oh. You spoil everything. Then you are also too proud to bring together the things that you spoil. You destroy friendships. You say things you shouldn't have said. You do things you like just one anger, and that anger is your life now. When your anger comes, everybody is afraid, and it has become to you a way by which you dominate everybody. So it's your weapon, and you love it because people fear your anger now. So it's like a open. You like it, but today that anger you see that is an enemy. You must give it up. So, so you become weak in the sight of people. We like that weakness. We like it. That is weakness in the sight of God. We like it. Oh, so what will you do? No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Don't ask me any prophetic question again. We are done. <laughs> that, that's how man. Like, you know, what will you do? Oh, what will you do? Oh, what will you do? Then it's becoming some kind of but how do you separate with an enemy that way? It's friends that you are going and coming and say, oh, 
hardy and things. But you don't separate with an enemy that way. Hallelujah. So anger, you are not friends. Please, go. We will not discuss this thing again. Hallelujah. Bitterness of you can cook bitterness in your heart and it can be so plenty in your heart as you've cooked that you begin to share it. You start to talk bitterness to those that are around you. Those that are around you. So you want to even, you are speaking scripture, but it's poisoned. You are trying to speak the word of God to people, but you share certain sentiment, feel it. By the time you catch yourself, you are, you are, you are on a different path as different from the part that the same way they are speaking should be sending uh, the person. But one can say, you know, bitterness now say, you know. Don't just say you are bitter against men. You are bitter against women. You use the same word of God when you speak it. By the time you are, you have, you have sold your bitterness to the next person, but you are using the word of God. You have become an agent of hell. You don't understand. But you could speak love. Can you imagine? You, you, it's possible you will not poison anybody with bitterness again. You, you rather poison them with love. That like genuinely, they're not that certain. You even struggle that you won't let your bitterness come through. You won't let your um, evil come through. The thing. You want to do this thing pure. You understand? But it's a whole thing. And it will poison the waters. It will spoil things. It will appear. So by the time you realize you are talking plenty, and you are spreading the thing. Where there are proper fruits to be born. It's a serious thing. You always think that what if you could become what God wants you to become? What if? And you see it. What you could carry, you could stand there as a woman of God. Wouldn't that be nice? A woman of God. Maybe even this statement, and I thought it can be like that. Yeah, you can't even see yourself that way. You feel like you are not worthy. You are, this is your destiny. And you know who makes you feel like you are not worthy? The same friend. Friend in a woman in Jaya, who's a woman in Jaya. And one will be kind of a bad accuser who cry when you're correct. As we be, I would even say, we do but now you see our mom's pieces. Who are they? Hey, that was what happened. I remember the first I was in Africa, I met one Gantu Papa. Me from Africa, ho a koso. Hey, also, and he was so bad happy. I'm talking Africa, ho Africa, ho Kenya. When it was Africa was mixed now, and when it was just mixed. Hey, also. And it was so baby, like it was so baby. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> you can you already talk to me. See, sometimes what's that thing I spend you, you look guilty the more. Yeah, so you just stand there. <laughs> I just kept quiet. So what's so baby? And you were he was descending. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. That we must cut those ones. I'm telling you, we must cut them. See, what is present, do you know the interesting thing? What is present with you now that you must cut off? That's not, not the only thing you cut off. More will come. But if you don't cut this one off, you, so some of you think that this is your only one thing, 
you have time. <laughs> no. There's more. Please, yeah, there's more ahead. But this is the first one. That is preventing you from regaining your joy. And if you do well with this, the other ones you must cut off, they become easier. It's true. They become easier. I will not accept barrenness. That is my decision. And I pray that it becomes your decision. I will not accept barrenness in whichever area of my life. Some of you are barren in, in relationships. You are barren in the marriage, not with about children, but in terms of what you must be. You are barren at your workplace. You are barren in God's church. You are barren different kinds of barrenness. But I'm not accepting it. For myself, I don't want barrenness. And I pray that it becomes your decision too. I will not accept barrenness. I will not. And the reason is that God did not make me to be barren. There's so much I can be. And I don't have all the time in the world. So now, I need to make that decision. I don't have all the time in the world. And I know you also know you don't have all the time in the world. When you were younger, you thought you, you, you had 50 years. But now that you have grown older a bit and you've seen how people pass out easily of this world, you know you could pass out. You don't have time. So by faith, we stay alive. That faith is produced in the heart of those who discover destiny and walk in it. I don't know, what is your reason for wanting to stay alive? You have none. In the sight of God, you have none. If you are not in line with his kingdom. I will not accept barrenness. What do you think? I said, I will not accept barrenness for my life. I, I won't accept it. I know what stands in my way presently. I'm not accepting barrenness. Because I can also see the promised land from afar. The hymn writer said, by faith we see the glory to which thou shalt restore us. It is in front. I, I don't see it all. But I see glimpses. And I know that the Lord can make me into something that no matter how hard I try, I cannot make myself into. And I'm actually being destroyed right now. As I have not stepped into what the Lord is looking for from me, my, what my life can be is not what it is. I'm not accepting barrenness. It's not going to be a small fight. It's going to be a big fight. But I'm up for it because I'm not accepting barrenness. I'm up for it. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be bloody. Blood all over. It's going to be bloody. But I see a glory. That is after this. It's going to be bloody. I'm going to lose something. But Jesus said that the one that loses my, his life for his, my sake will have it. So I'm not accepting barrenness. I know it's going to be a long fight because I've seen such a fight before. Before it floored me. Before I gave in. Before the circumstances were said that I gave in. But now I will not allow for the circumstances. I'm not going to be lazy. I know laziness is tied to the heart. 
And if I were not lazy, I know that I could become many things. I, I'm not going to be lazy again. Laziness is not my friend. No negotiation. I'm not coming out of it gradually. I refuse to be married. I'm not accepting it. I refuse to be barren. I refuse to be barren. My pride is working against me. If it were not my pride, there were many things that I could do. Many people that I could help. Many situations that I would not be in if it were not my pride. And I've been proud of my pride. But I'm not accepting barren. Because this pride is preventing me from being fruitful. And I refuse to be barren. I refuse to be barren. 